Ah, folks, it's time to sit up again for another episode of the Soul Sessions. But with me today, I mean, grab a drink as well, because it's the modern gentleman, Zachary Swift. Welcome to the show, Zachary. Hello, young sir. And how are you? Mm. Even better having a drink in my hand. But having the modern gentleman, I'm blessed. I'm honored. And we're suited up as well. Fast roll individuals we are. But Zachary, I got to know as well. You know, I say every guest has a story and every story has a beginning. What's the story of the modern gentleman as a wrestling fan? How did that all begin? Oh, that's, I suppose it's a rather good question, isn't it? Um, I'm not one of these wrestlers who have that sort of encyclopedic knowledge of all the matches that have ever happened and a sort of childhood sort of obsessed with wrestling. I saw, I saw bits and pieces as a child, you know, um, as I think most children did, uh, you know, the sort of the early attitude area into the, was it the ruthless aggression the sort of John Cena's and the Randy Orton's of the world, but um, I wasn't a big wrestling fan, you know. No. I had um, other pursuits as a teenager and as, as a young man. No, oh, indeed, man. You know, we all have those other desires we wish to go for, but you know, obviously, wrestling being kind of in the, you know, was it in the background for you? Was it something you know, it was a wee hobby? You know, some some fans like to take it too seriously and they go all in, as they say. But for the modern gentleman, I can imagine it was a classy pastime for you yeah you know it was um well listen i i I enjoyed wrestling as a child i did but it was um it was more about characters Ah. rather than wrestling you know you know at a young age you don't really have the sort of the mental capacity to really understand the wrestling as such and the sort of the um the intricacies of wrestling and the ability and the sportsmanship involved and you know in, in these sort of physical bouts for me, as a child, it was, you know, it was all about the entrances, the music, the, um, you know, Randy Orton's, um, the shower of, uh, have you seen it? His old entrance when he began? The Very shower of yes. Yeah, it was utterly phenomenal as a child. I adored it. Um, but listen, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get into wrestling as a, as a physical sport and show as that sort of, you know, as a contest of learning really about wrestling until only a few years ago, really. Very well done for you, sir. You've done so much things and well in this business, so it's got to be congratulatory for you. But you mentioned, obviously, characters back then, and this running season of the Soul Sessions has been a common theme of character work coming up with brain psychology as well. And, you know, I look back at that time, especially with Ruthless Aggression, there were so many great characters, you know, Brock Lesnar as well, Eddie Guerrero, so many great characters. I want to know for you, Zachary, what kind of characters really resonated with you that stuck out? Good question my friend um who really stuck you know do you know who really stuck out to me mm-hmm. JBL. <laughs> and now i'm of i'm of this is show my age a little bit but um i'm of an age where i didn't know the apa i didn't know john bradshaw layfield as anything else other than this character this man who you know arrived in this limo with the the bullhorns on the front the cowboy hat and just you know no matter how he always kept his title, you know, and he had, you know, Eddie Guerrero chasing him, John Cena chasing him, some of the greatest wrestlers of a generation. But yet JBL, for the most part, always managed to escape with that belt. And I thought that was a rather, um, you know, rather amazing that he was able to do. Mm. You know, some people thought he was a little bit dastardly and underhand. I thought it was, uh, I always thought it was rather impressive. Well, hey, that's really got success at the end for JBL. He done very well. And you mentioned, obviously, the APA era of him to JBL. Do you think maybe Jables maybe we slept not slept on like one of the best character reworks? 
I think so. I totally think so. You know, now being able to go back and see, you know, there's things like the network online and, you know, being able to go back and look at these catalogs of what wrestlers have done previously in their time, seeing who he was before he was John Bradshaw Layfield, um, you know, worlds apart in characters and, you know, from being, yeah, um, perhaps mid-card tag team wrestler to being one of the main events and one of the mainstays of SmackDown for years, I think is so impressive. And, you know, certain people, <laughs> I think there's um, there's certainly a story or two about JBL backstage and his uh, behavior. You know, perhaps that's something else for other time. But um, on screen, I think that just reinvention of a character and getting himself to the top of the card um, is admirable. Hey, very admirable. I mean, I look back at that Eddie Guerrero match with the whole Judgment Day in the blood coming down Eddie's face, hard hitting and memorable as well. I want to know as well, Zachary, memorable moments are key, you know, long lasting in this business. And I want to know what kind of characters do you think have had key moments that stick in your mind? Oh, do you know, again, going, so we're in the same sort of period of time. You know, the one match that always sticks with me, particularly the moment in it, mm-hmm. Randy Orton versus Mick Foley at, um, it'll be, Backlash 2004, I think it is. Backlash, yeah. Backlash 2004, because they fought they fought at Mania, and then this was like a rematch. And they did a, I think it was officially no holds barred or no disqualification um, for Randy's, I, I believe, Intercontinental title at the time. And it was um, it was Randy Orton at this time, he's like 22, 23 years old. He's like young, third generation, just like rising and rising and rising through the ranks. He's in evolution at the time. Um, and he has this match against Mick Foley, and there's no there's no evolution intervention in this as well. You know, this is such a trope you see all the time. You know, this, the fact should come and help you get the win. This is just him against Mick Foley, and Mick Foley's just at his best insanity throughout this match. Um, but there's a point where they do a tax spot, and of course, um, Randy's poured all of these tacks out in the middle of the ring, and I think I would have been, again, this is showing you my age, but I was around 12 years old when I saw this, um and i hadn't really seen anything like this before and he puts all the tacks out into the middle of the ring and he's going to rko mick into the into the tax and mick just pushes him off and he lands back first into the tax that ever they're stuck in him everywhere and that look and his eyes and the way his hands shake that is something that's one of those wrestling moments that's always always stuck with me Oh, absolutely and then the moments build you know randy such a young age to be a star but i want to touch upon something as well you mentioned Music, key, very key, I believe, because, you know, you can have a song that's just a 30-second loop, but then a song you want to listen to, workout playlist, or just even socializing, have that song in the background is key. I want to know right now, Zachary, your top four wrestling entrance themes. Oh, Lord. You're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, we always do that in the Soul Sessions. We're a very spot-heavy show, kind of like AEW, in a way. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. Okay. Um, let's see. First one that jumps to mind is Alistair Black's NXT theme tune. Ooh, okay, okay. Don't ask me the name. Don't ask me what they're called. But that was um, the one where everyone goes, evil. <laughs> yeah, that one. You know nice. that one. Um, that is um, certainly one of my favorite songs. I do have a bit of a penchant for um, heavier metal. Mm. I did spend, spend a youth listening to rather angry bands. Um, <laughs> big fan of that. Johnny Gargano's also NXT theme. Mm. Um, that was a bit of a banger. I always enjoyed that one. It's an ultimate, you know, 
get you get you going when you're struggling to find motivation perhaps at the gym on your last set or something you know that was a fantastic song as well let's try and let's try and jump out of black and gold nxt what else have i got for you um i mean i don't want to say it but cm punks obviously um is just is just you know an iconic song in and out of wrestling um really quite fantastic and then you know what um what else can i give you what would be my four i'm trying to think of something a little bit um something of a curveball something a bit of a wild card i do love surprise hmm I do you know what? Um I really liked when um oh Orange Cassidy had Where's My Mind before oh. I changed it. I thought it was I thought I thought it worked so perfectly. I really enjoyed that. I enjoy when wrestling songs don't aren't you know, there's a lot of um generic heavy rock, especially when you love to sort sort of modern WWE. And I mm. thought that fit as, as something a little bit different to a typical wrestler's entrance, I thought it was fantastic very good i mean i was kind of upset when he went to james i thought where's my mind worked so well and i just loved that song i mean hey he got a proper send-off with forbidden door against osprey so best way for a song to go out because we know in wrestling songs can change and sometimes for the better sometimes the worse you know i want to know Zachary, what kind of changing of wrestling themes come to your mind as maybe a bit of a downgrade shall we say oh oh lord um who has lost a good song oh well i mean i mean it's um it's obvious, isn't it? It's Jungle Boy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It just, it just, he is just not the man for his new theme. Is it, is it Beethoven? Is it Bach? I can't remember. It's it's Beethoven. But um, or Mozart? Is it Mozart? I don't know. It's one of them. Classical. Yeah, it's classical. <laughs> oh, you know. Um, but you know, they say um, you should always wear a suit, and a suit shouldn't wear you. That mm. entrance, that entrance wears him. You know. It doesn't, he just he just isn't the man to have that theme, I'm afraid. It doesn't work for him. Uh, I'm not a fan. Hey, fair points indeed, my friend. But also, you know, there was a bit of an error you touched upon there in your song recommendation, Black and Gold NXT. Now, I always love to learn. I always love learning from wrestlers about you know, the history and all that. But, other, but their thoughts on something as well. I, you know, I didn't watch NXT, you know, Black and Gold. That's something I never actually touched upon. So learning about it from guests' point of view is very interesting to me. So why do you, as you know, a viewer of that, why was it so special, Black and Gold NXT? Well, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of um, wrestling fans and even wrestlers themselves, you know, will sort of pinpoint and highlight Black and Gold NXT as like some of the best wrestling of all time, but mm-hmm. especially for the last 10 years, you know, a real revival in professional wrestling. Um, but, for, you know, for myself as well, it was what got me back into wrestling. Like I say, you know, as a child, as a young child watching, I guess, that sort of end of attitude into ruthless aggression sort of era, but without really understanding it, you know. It was uh, pomp and pageantry and moments and characters, but it was just sort of, you know, a child mindlessly absorbing television. There was no real, there was no real integrity to my um, wrestling viewing. And I actually found myself um, in black and, watching Black and Gold through um, YouTube. And I'm not. And I know I'm not the first person to do the, um, to find this sort of this this sort of track back to wrestling as well. Watching um, YouTube lists, you know, like top ten moments and things. Yeah. Sort of 
those late nights where you've um, you may have been out for dinner or drinks you get home you can't really sleep so you um you fire up the old youtube machine have a little look and a random recommendation comes in and it says top 10 moments in wrestling of whatever it may be you know um and i found myself watching these videos and sort of then sort of that's where i sort of come from uh, fascinated to like how wrestling actually how what what what, what what's involved in wrestling more mm-hmm. than just you know an entrance and jumping as off something as high as you can or landing in thumbtacks you know that's where i started to think about the the sort of the intricacies of professional wrestling and that's what sort of drew me back in and then yeah that sort of drew me to um black and gold nxt and you know you have wrestlers just doing some of the absolute best the best wrestling that there has been for a long time with guys like um the revival um diy um andrade was amazing at that time um Al- uh, malachi will form alistair black as well you know these guys were just putting on absolute wrestling showcases 20 minute matches that were just incredible mm, no absolutely i mean really stand out because you know nxt was just as popular as like the main roster of raw or smackdown because people truly loved that experience now obviously you know nxt we moved to the usa being live and then further down the line it would change to nxt 2.0 or as i like to call it nxt skittles so i want to know exactly that change as a fan do you think it was maybe necessary for the product do you think it was a a back kind of a whiplash experience just changing on the fly like that i think you know the thing about wwe and its programming you have to remember that it's um it's pg programming mm-hmm. it, it is pg it is sort of directed towards mainly children which is which is interesting a lot, a lot of wrestling fans aren't children you know uh um, so and then i think black and gold nxt was targeted at that that older demographic of wrestling fans and viewers and i think that's what drew so many people in and so many it was beloved by so many fans and i think for, for better or worse nxt 2.0 or skittles as you said um was an attempt to create make nxt more like its main the main programming something that was more um friendly to a younger demographic and i think that's why a lot of um those black and gold fans it was such it was such an offense to them because it was taking away what they thought thought was more sophisticated more age-appropriate wrestling for themselves and suddenly it became you know like a cartoon effectively it was colorful and bright and the characters were all rather one-dimensional no absolutely but obviously you know it's kind of worked out in the end because obviously now it's came back to this sort of you know, black and white era now, and they've had so much success, you know, Becky Lynch coming down and being the NXT Women's Championship, then dropping it to Layla Valkyrie, just showing that, you know, these young stars are now being built up. Do you think like now this is maybe a resurgence for the brand? I would say so. I must admit, I can't, I I haven't really watched much NXT, um, not since it was black and gold in truth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I see, I see bits and bobs. I, d- I did see that uh, Becky Lynch, she had dropped the title, was it this week or last week? um yeah it just it feels like it's on the right track again you know hmm. oh, absolutely and building stars and memories for the future is what we always love to see but obviously you are the modern gentleman zach and going back to yourself you know what made you pursue you know just being a fan to now being a fan wants to get into the squared circle well you know i um have always been a fan of competition you know competitive sports whatever they may be uh where i i grew up in uh, rural northumberland just over the border into England. Um, and I went to a school that specialized in performing arts. So I was um, in theater a lot as a child and doing a lot of performance-based things. 
but at the same time i did a lot of um i played a lot of rugby i played a lot of football i always had did things that had a competitive edge so it sort of it sort of felt naturally that i would want to put the two things together and i think for its worth i think pro wrestling is absolutely the only real place that allows me to champion both of those things the elements of performance and competitive nature yeah no absolutely i mean I always think of wrestling as a very creative medium. You know, you look at something like a movie or a TV show. When that series or movie finishes, it stops. The actors go and move on to another projects. That story could either be continued or not, depending on the network's renewal. But with wrestling, you know, especially with like something like WWE, they're, mon- they're, like, they're on Mondays, they're on Fridays, but they're doing house shows and stuff like that, and continuously developing their stories through social media interactions, through interactions through the press, through the fans, and through the shows. I mean, what is it about wrestling? Do you think that maybe it's, a creative storyline 24 7. well i think you know we just we are we are these characters and throughout our lives as well and i think for the most part a lot of us are exactly the same within the ring and outside of the ring you know these we're we are real people but we just what you see on in the ring or on especially i mean on, on social media or on the screens is just our own personalities just dialed up to 11 you know Mm-hmm. So I think you know we aren't we aren't characters playing roles. We are just we are people who are just uh, are giving an absolute sort of exaggerated version of ourselves. Very true, my friend. And obviously, you would build up yourself in a place that I've had familiarities with on the show, formerly FPWA, now Pro Wrestling Ready. And you know, I want to know going. How did you find out you know originally about FPWA and then deciding to go there? Good question. So I um went to a couple of local shows so it was around the time that i got um like i said i'd start to get more of an interest into professional wrestling again as i was older um around 20 20 end of 2018 2019 started going to some local shows i, I live in edinburgh because i know you do yourself um and so i'd, I'd be doing a couple of discovery shows discovery wrestling and also a couple of icw shows over in glasgow mm. um i thought you know I was sort of admired the sportsmanship I saw in the ring and the characters, and I thought this was wonderful. And then, you know, I think they were advertising perhaps at one of the shows, or I can't quite remember. Um, but I saw Andy, the head coach from uh, Pro Wrestling Ready, wrestling at one of the shows, and I just thought, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he exemplified what I believe pro wrestling should be. You know, he has a real sort of British way of wrestling about the interest of the holds and the. The way he moves around the ring, I was really, really fascinated by. Um, so yeah, when I, when I just, I think about, I think I just came by chance that he was uh, coaching. I'm not entirely sure how I came across it, but yeah, I jumped at the opportunity. I thought, I thought I would love to have that opportunity to to learn from him. Oh, absolutely, and you know, pro wrestling really has offered so many great opportunities. Not even just physical learning but visual and learning through seminars. You know, they've had people like Noam Dar and Rampage Brown and Wild Boar, you know, those type of seminars. How special are, are they to, you know, developing and training as a wrestler? Oh, massively. Like, I can't I can't um, overstate how important they are to sort of your progression, your understanding of professional wrestling. Because I think there's something that's really important that's to be understood and perhaps isn't understood by people who aren't wrestlers. Wrestling mm-hmm. is subjective. There isn't one correct way to wrestle. And I think people forget that sometimes. They think, you know, there's a very particular way to do things. I think if you only learn from one person or one style, that becomes your mindset. 
But I think this, if you can listen to other voices and hear different people do things in different ways, it allows you to understand that every different wrestling coach or even every different wrestler has a slightly different way of doing something and works in a different way. And only by understanding the sort of myriad of wrestling techniques and approaches allows you to build your own approach. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, fair point indeed. You know, you've had so many great seminars. Is there a particular lesson that you've taken from one seminar that you, you really hold to your chest? Like, yeah, that piece of information is going to help me develop. Um, yeah, actually, there really uh, there definitely is. I would say I was lucky enough to be present at the Boar seminar when Boar was taking a seminar up at, well, at Pro Wrestling Ready now. Um, and we were talking about wrestling in character. And he, what it, and one of the things Bora said was, you're familiar, of course, with the suplex. Yes. One of the most, one of the most um, common wrestling moves that both wrestlers, wrestling fans, and even non-wrestling fans know about. And it's one of, it's like, it's, you know, it's a move that is so indicative of professional wrestling. Decide you're picking someone up, launch them over your head. What Bora said was that it isn't enough to just be able to do a suplex. You have to do a suplex within how you perform it as as a character, as a wrestler. There isn't one, it's sort of touching on what I just said, but it's this idea that like, there isn't one correct way to do things. Boar wrestles like a madman, like a wild boar. You see Mm. him do a suplex, it is like a boar throwing a man across the ring. If you are a gentleman, there's a gentlemanly way to do this. I mean, I mean, you're throwing someone over your head, but you know, there's still a way to do this. You know, you have to do something in a particular way. And that really was what helped open my mind to understanding how how a character moves and operates within the ring. It's one thing to have a character outside of the ring in, in promo or in the way you look and dress, but to have a way you move in the ring and have that synergy between those things is so important. Very true indeed. And that's great advice as well. So I obviously got to ask Zachary, you could get 30 minutes with anyone for a dream seminar. Who would you want to have that seminar with and why? Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's William Regal, isn't it? <laughs> Very true. Um, the original gentleman. Um, I I think he would have some fantastic stories and some incredible knowledge to pass on. Um, Johnny Saint as well. You familiar with Johnny Saint? Old world um, one of the best British wrestlers to ever do it. A fantastic wrestler. Some of the some of the moves that he sort of created. And, um popularized were just fantastic i think his brain would be wonderful to learn from um yeah i would say one of those two perhaps um, i mean brian danielson of course would be would be um an honor to learn from as well wow yeah that would be a sight to see who knows maybe nigel mcginnis will try and bust down the door and kick brian's head <laughs> you know cool. how those two are <laughs> but obviously you know with pro wrestling, pro wrestling they've had multiple shows on and you know You've been in some of those shows. Obviously, when they were FPWA, they had a first cross New Wave Academy show. You were in the Fatal Five Way yourself, Levy Justice. Nope. Tommy Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, sadly, you would uh, not emerge to Victor. But, you know, competing in those Fatal Five Way matches, I can imagine it's very hard in cardio, right? Oh, absolutely. It is um, so incredibly important to be physically fit in wrestling. And it's, I must admit, it's a personal gripe of mine that some wrestlers are not. It is. This is a sport, and this is a physical sport, and it is incredibly important to be strong and fit, and to be able to compete at your highest level, whether that be for three minutes, whether that be twenty minutes. I'm uh, I'm someone who's in the gym three times a week. 
I am out running twice a week. I am training the wrestling school twice a week. It is incredibly, incredibly important to be physically fit. Um, and that you, like perfectly said, in these sort of matches, you have to be ready. Well, hey, that's why it's called pro wrestling ready because they're always keeping you guys ready for the next thing. But obviously, you know, you know, the hardest man in Fife is now a title that's held by someone you've tagged with. Daisy Jenkins is now the owner of that title. I want to know, you know, do you think tagging with Daisy has maybe prepared you for taking that title off her? Well, you know, Daisy Jenkins is a, um, a remarkable young lady. Mm. She truly is. Um, I have the utmost respect for her, for her being able to take that um, title, especially when I fail. I mean, let's get this right. I was about to win that title until Hunter Sampson interfered in the ring and kicked me in the face. Who wasn't in the match. I was this close and I should have won. So I'm just going to just going to point that one out. But yes, no, um, Daisy is a remarkable young lady. Um, and I, yeah, you know, while I would quite like to be known as the hardest man in Fife, I don't think, I don't think chasing her title is high on my agenda. Oh, I mean, if you did win that title, I think you would classy remark it to the hardest gentleman in Fife. I mean, I think that just seems fair enough. Well, I'm, I don't believe there are much gentlemen in Fife. Well, true indeed. It may be a kingdom, but kingdom in name. <laughs> Oh, no, no, indeed. But obviously, you know, you would have a match at the most recent, you know, Pro Wrestling Ready show, the Trifford Air Show, which I was in attendance for, and you and a former guest of the show, Redfield, the team against the Meat Factory. But, you know, something would happen, you know, a bit of an interference on the par, you know. Do you not feel bad for the Meat Factory? You know, you didn't, you didn't have a, shall we say, a gentleman match. You know, it didn't have a conclusive end. Oh, I'll tell you something. The Meat Factory are a pair of idiots. I have no sympathy for those two buffoons at all. Uh, Craig Berry has been a thorn in my side from day one in wrestling. So quite frankly, it was rather nice to see them get beat up. Um, and, you know, you check if you check the uh, record label, that will tell you that Zachary Swift won that match via disqualification, but I won. So, um, yeah, no sympathy for those two big idiots. Oh, well, uh, this, this, I suppose it's a good point to say. I um, I advocate for weight classes in wrestling. Oh, really? That was a, that was a um, blind... I had no idea who... I thought when my name was called, I would be entering a singles match. Then I'm paired with Redfield, and that's fine. Redfield's a perfectly honourable gentleman, so I was okay with that. And I thought we'd wrestle, you know, maybe the par, maybe maybe a team of our size, but instead we've got the Meat Factory. That is um, wholly unfair to put us against those two big buffoons, um and this is you know this is the problem in wrestling isn't it it mm. really is these sort of horrible decisions whether it's by a wheel or by a booker um i am constantly coming up against unfair circumstances hey fair dues indeed Zach. but some fans may say the the gentleman the proper right way to do would be a rematch at the christmas show you know with you and redfield against the meat factory you think maybe the fans are mistaken you know they just want to see you know this apparent injustice done redone well listen i think that i think the meat factory have a par-shaped problem um <laughs> that they may be chasing a little bit at the next show um but i will wait in the wings because yes i do believe um we do have some unfinished business with those two we always love to see finish be fully completed and put on the back shelf ready for the next one. But obviously, I want to get your thoughts on something, Zachary, as well. Because at this Trifford Air show, you know, it was announced that you know Frank Gallo is going to be taking on Andy Roberts for his title at the next show. And I want to know, as your insight, who do you think is going to walk out with a belt? 
Frank Gallo is clinically insane. I want to highlight that right now. That man should not be in a wrestling ring. <laughs> he is bona fide, completely bloody nuts. Um, I think it is ridiculous that Andy is even going to have to fight such a ridiculously crazy man. Um, and I can only hope that uh, Mr. Roberts retains his title. Well, you never know what can happen in the business of wrestling. But obviously, you know, Zach, you are the modern gentleman and, you know, you've had seminars that you've learned from. But I want to know, you know, say Pro Wrestling Ready gave you the chance to hold a seminar for your fellow colleagues in, a, you know, in Pro Wrestling Ready. And you got to give them advice as the modern gentleman. What advice would you give them all? Uh, well, I think a few of those young men need to learn how to be honourable. I think they need to learn to respect some traditions. You know, there's... Um, a lot of the young men, they're, they're angry, belligerent young men. They are just sort of fighting their way to the top and doing anything by any means necessary. And I think you've seen that. You've witnessed that in the actions of the par. You've seen that um, in the actions of men like Hunter Sampson. It is a, um, it is feral. It is a zoo-like atmosphere sometimes. And I think a lot of these young men need to learn a little bit of respect and a little bit of honour and learn some of the true wrestling traditions. No, oh, hey, I very believe that. You know, you say of honor and honor, merely a place that comes to mind for me for honor is Ring of Honor. You know, such a place that has that honor, you know, the code of honor and, you know, the pure rules and everything. I want to know for yourself, Zachary, what would the modern gentleman do in Ring of Honor? Would they thrive? You know, would they bring more honor to the code or what would happen? I think I would thrive pretty well in Ring of Honor. I think, like you say, it is, um, I think it shares a synergy with my, my outlook and my perspective on professional wrestling. Um, I think all bouts should begin with a handshake. Oh, Whether they should finish with a handshake, I think that depends on how the match has gone. But I think, <laughs> you know, I think all matches should begin with a handshake. I think Ring of Honor is, um, they have the correct sort of rules and, and respect for this industry. Um, and somewhere, yes, you know, uh, I would love to have an opportunity to wrestle one day. Oh, hey, you never know what can happen. Our little island of the United Kingdom has been thriving with its wrestling. You know, AEW coming for all in for Wembley, WWE bringing over Clash Castle Money in the Bank. And there's even some words that WWE might bring over a WrestleMania. You know, personally, myself, I just want it to happen in Moneyfield Stadium. I don't want to travel far. I hate the eight hour train ride down south. It's annoying. It's very repetitive. I would like to stay in my own humble abode with my own little central heating and a wee drink at my side. So I want to know for yourself, Zachary, if WWE bring over WrestleMania, and let's say they place it in Scotland because we have the lovely weather for it. Which stadium would you like to see it happen in? It shouldn't be a stadium. Do you know where it should be? Oh, at, the at the castle. On the Ooh. promenade. On Ooh. the promenade. Open air. Get the the, the you know the seating that's put there for the tattoo. Yeah. The, you know, the high-rise seating there with the castle as the backdrop, ring in the middle, open air in the in the heart of Edinburgh. I think that would be wonderful. Oh. Zachary, you've got my mind going mentally. I can imagine the custom arenas in 2K right now making this the grandest WrestleMania, or sorry, the most royalist of WrestleMania. I think that is a very, very good idea. And obviously, you know, the UK itself and Scotland and everywhere else is thriving. And, you know, as a wrestler from the UK, I want to know what the sense of pride you take. I know that companies like Progress, RevPro, and, you know, obviously Impact are doing their UK tour right now. They're all coming over, you know, and they're thriving here and our scene's thriving. I got to know the sense of pride you must feel as a UK wrestler. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, British wrestling has always been there. You know, there's been amazing wrestlers from every generation. But I think now at this moment, more and more eyes are coming to the UK and seeing 
what's happening within our independent scene. Did you see the news about Leon Slater last night? I did indeed. Very well done yeah. for him. Leon Slater signing with Impact Wrestling. I think that is just a sign of the times of, you know, these big, these big American corporations just seeing how incredible the wrestling and the wrestlers are on our shores. And, you know, like you, you are entirely right. I take great pride in being in this sort of this new revival of British wrestling. Mm, absolutely. And also, you know, you mentioned Leon Slater there, you know, a 19-year-old man getting signed by, you know, TNA. It's just absolutely amazing to see that people are now taking a look on us. Because, you know, you've seen these Yankee fans and you're like, oh, UK fans aren't passionate. You know, they won't sell out, you know, Wembley Stadium for AEW. They won't turn out for money in the bank or kind of house shows or stuff like that. But we're proving them wrong time and time again. Why do you think people look down on UK wrestling fans in general and not saying they have the passion, the drive to sell out these shows and be there for the companies they love? I don't know. I think they're wrong. <laughs> I think we've I think we I think we have proven them wrong, and I think they're entirely wrong. The North Wrestling in Newcastle, they had a thousand at their show in the summer. Um, I think you know professional wrestling in the UK is absolutely thriving, and people are turning up to these shows, and I think it's only gonna get bigger and better. You know, you see that with seven, over 70,000 at um at AEW at Wembley. Money in the bank selling out immediately in London. Also, you know, I think we've I think we've proven them wrong as a nation that this is a wrestling nation. Absolutely. When those sh shows come over again, it's going to be absolutely amazing. The only, the only enemy out of that will be Ticketmaster because Ticketmaster sucks, and we all know that a hundred percent. But also, you know, touching upon Leon Slayer there again, I want to know Zachary. Besides, I think yourself should be signed to a big company already because every company needs the modern gentleman. What other talent, you know, in the UK do you think? need to get signed to big companies that have the drive have the passion and have the desire to become better do you know who is a criminally underrated wrestler do you tell ian me oh ian Skinner is a phenomenal wrestler he's a technical genius he's fantastic in the ring he is a perfect character um i think ian skinner should be signed to a major to a major company or a, um to a contract immediately Oh, hey, that's a fair, you know, we got the validation from the modern gentleman himself. So I think that's very true indeed. Now, obviously, the modern gentleman needs a modern gentlemanly title. So I want to know, Zachary, proposing a little question to you right now. Out of the UK scene, which belt do you think represents the modern gentleman the most? Which one would you like to see across your waist or over your shoulder while you make yourself to the ring, pal? Oh, that is a, um, that is a very good question. Hmm. I wonder. I'm sort of imagining many a belt around my waist now. It's rather fun. Um, what would I like to see around my waist? <laughs> you know, do you know what belt I would like to see around my waist? The Discovery Wrestling, the Y Division Championship. As you, as you well know, uh, Edinburgh is where I'm born. Well, not born, where I, but where I live, where I spend most of my life here. Um, I'm proud to be from Edinburgh. I'm proud to represent Edinburgh, and I think that would be an ultimate goal one day to have Edinburgh's ultimate championship around my waist. Hey, that sounds good to me, pal. And obviously, you know, Discovery have got an upcoming show where, you know, two of your, well, one of your colleagues and one of your trainers, you know, Andy Robinson is going for the wide division title against G Money and Daisy Jenkins going for the women's title against Casey. I want to know if your thoughts, you know, do you think these guys are going to get the belts? Do you think they can bring back the belts to pro wrestling ready? No, this is difficult. Uh -huh. G Money, actually, I'll have you know, is a family friend of mine. So, um, and then I was, so it's coach against family friend, but I, um, knowing the integrity of these men, I do, I do believe that it is, uh, Mr. Robert's time. 
Things are stirring with Power Pro now, with Pro Wrestling Ready. We um, Good things are happening. There is momentum behind us. We believe in our abilities and we believe in each other. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a clean sweep. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see Power Pro take over Discovery at that show. Oh, that could be very, very enticing. Maybe down the line we could see a pro wrestling ready versus a discovery wrestling show. You know, that makes me think, like, Zachary, if that happens, that crossover show happens, who would you like to face at this kind of crossover show between pro wrestling ready and discovery? A man I've just mentioned, Mr. Ian Skip. What the hell? I believe believe he is the uh, measuring stick in Scotland of technical British wrestling. And I would like to put my up against him and see how I could perform. Well, 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 that would be very enticing indeed. But Zachary, you know, we're coming to the end of our time here on the Soul Session. So before I finish, I want to propose a little nice scenario here. Let's say you are the Y Division champion in Pro Wrestling Re- Pro Discovery Wrestling around your waist and you have a nice old fashioned in hand. But you could have a, a dream match, defend your title against anyone. Anyone from the States, anyone from the UK, anyone from Japan, Mexico, anywhere in the world. I want to know, man, who do you want to defend your title against in a dream match? Who would it be? Hmm. I think it would have to be Brian Danielson. I mean, Brian is the best wrestler in the world. For my money, he's the best wrestler in the world. So, you know, if there's anyone... Um, I don't. I, if I was defending a belt against him, I'm not sure I would be able to successfully defend my belt against him. But what an opportunity that would be! Well, I gotta know as well. Would you add a little stipulation? Pure rules, Iron Man, TLC, you know, submission. Come on, I gotta know. Oh, let's do two out of three falls. Oh, that that just sounds very enticing indeed. You know what? Before we go here, I'll throw out another spitball fire question. Brian Danielson. You know, he says that maybe this is his time. You know, his time's coming to an end. You know, he said he told his daughter he would only do it for a couple more years and then he would be finished. I want to know when and who would you want Brian Danielson's final match to be? I think we I think we all want it to be Nigel McGuinness, don't we? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, want an exhibition, I want an exhibition wrestling match that would just be wonderful to watch. Just, you know, Nigel's amazing British wrestling Brian Dancel's technical ability, just these two just having a wonderful time in the ring. I think that would be a joy to watch. Well, I I think that should be all in, right? Next year? I believe so too. <laughs> Second Americans, we get the good shit. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, Zachary Sist, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the Soul Sessions. But obviously what I love to do with every guest, you know, if you've got something lined up in the pipelines and you can share it with the viewers right now. They've loved what they heard of you. What have you got, my friend? You know, I am just looking internally at the moment. As you're well aware, um, FPWA have recently rebranded to Power Pro, Pro Wrestling Ready. Uh, Pro Wrestling Ready is our wrestling school. And Power Pro, of course, is the show that we will be putting on. We have gathered um, amazing momentum over the last year, year and a half, building our audience and our characters and our stories and I think we are at such an important moment, yeah, rebranding the new training school opening in Livingston, which of course is just a stone's throw for myself here in Edinburgh. So at the moment, I'm spending my time looking sort of ent- entirely 
sort of internally and focusing on our school and our training, our shows, and making sure they are the best they could possibly be. So if you want to catch Zachary Swift, uh, find yourself with the next Power Pro show. <laughs> Very true indeed. And as well, I, as I do with every guest, you can find Zachary Swift's Instagram in the description of this video. Click it, follow him, and see the journey of the modern gentleman. Well, Zachary, my friend, a pleasure here having you on the Soul Sessions. I would say the whole YouTube stick, but YouTube's been around since 2005. I ain't got to repeat myself. You already know what to do. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in here for another episode of the 